Hello and welcome to Persistent and Nasty Podcast. This is our Edinburgh Festival Fringe 2019 series. Throughout this series, we will be talking to women of the fringe, from producers to directors, writers and performers. We hope you enjoy all of the podcasts and get along to see as much of it as you can. This podcast was recorded at Assembly Club Bar with thanks to Sharon Burgess, Danny Ray, Connell, Chris and all of the staff at the Club Bar. As we are recording out and about, you may hear some background noise. Hopefully it won't affect too much, but it might just give you the vibe and atmosphere of the festival. So sit back, relax and enjoy some persistent and nasty women. Amazing. Megan Tyler. Hello. Hi. How's <laughs> nice going? It's going. Oh, I'm sorry. Hi. Hi. So is this closed? Yes. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Just for just, just for an hour because we're recording a podcast. Thank you. Uh, Should I close the door? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, we did it. Sorry. Thank you. It wouldn't be a Megan Tyler podcast without getting a hiccup in the start. Like, yeah. To be honest. <laughs> No. Bye, a man. Uh, <laughs> did enjoy his reaction. I know. It was just it was sort of like, was a, like a second of rage and then like, oh no, wait, power to you. Oh, you fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so, Megan, yeah, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing, I mean, I'm doing good. Sweaty, but, um, but no, it's been going really well. It's been such a reaction to Crackle Up Here that I couldn't really have um, imagined. Really. For the benefit. Yeah. Of those who don't know who you are, which is obviously going to be a very small number of people. <laughs> Could you tell them who you are? Uh, so, uh, my name is Megan Tyler and I'm a, a writer and an actor and I've written Crocodile Fever, which is on at Traverse, at Trav One this year, which is directed by Gareth Nichols and is in the, yeah, in the main space and it's a bit bonkers is a bit wild and it's been going really well so far and also some people love it some people really, really don't love it <laughs> I can't remember which one of you guys I was talking to I think it was Gareth or Shilpa was saying that they reckoned it might be a Marmite play yes. in that sense um, did you have an idea of that in your head beforehand or were you just like ah fuck it we'll see what happens No, I was sort of like I just, I get, like, you know when you just get a bit bored with theatre and, like, I just want to write things that are a bit more, I don't know, the theatre I would want to go see kind yeah. of thing. Or something that's exciting or something that's, like, bonkers or a bit, takes you on a bit of a ride, a bit of a roller coaster, And, um, yeah, just I'm getting really, was getting really frustrated with, like, this stiff sort of, like, theatre idea and um, wanted just to rip shit up a bit. So I know for a fact, like, there's going to be people who feel the same way I do in this industry. He'll go see it and be like, thank fuck! Thank fuck, yeah. Um, and there'll be people who, like, like, will absolutely despise it because I deliberately wanted to break all those rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, they, yeah, I, yeah, there was one comment on Twitter that was like, Amateur writing, amateur production, like absolutely hated it. It was hilarious. And then I clicked on his profile and I was like, of course, of course. He's like a guy from Norwich. Um, like this like middle class like <laughs> manager from like Norwich. He absolutely hated it. So Nigel like, from accounts yeah. in Norwich doesn't fucking like it. And I was just a bit like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all said, 
really buzzing about that. Um, just because it's like, well, yeah, this isn't meant for you, man. Like, all the other... <laughs> everything else There's is. There's lots of else for you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it's been, been, been mental, but good. But that was exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking that, do you know what, there's going to be people who don't like it. The people who don't like it are going to be like, well, this isn't the way we do things. This isn't the proper way to make the theatre. Yeah. And I think, fuck it, fuck them. Yeah, like you say, it's not for you. Mm-hmm. See, um, I totally, I think it is, though, because I said this in my tweet to you. Yeah. I was like, it's theatrically brilliant and as great as theatre can be mm. and that kind of it's there's lots of kind of harking back for me I was like ooh kind of a wee bit of revolutionary 80s theatre going on bit of yeah loving it yeah push yeah. the boundaries because yeah. it has been safe mm-hmm. for a while yeah. mm-hmm. it's, I think it's more exciting to make a statement that people can react strongly to mm-hmm. it doesn't I feel like a negative strong opinion is great because you're right you can go that's amazing thank you for your strong opinion it's that wasn't for you it was for people who like wanted something different but I do think like having strong opinions is better than someone kind of coming out of a show and going yeah I mean yeah cool and yeah those are the shows that you sort of forget that you saw like you come out and you go yeah and someone mentions it a few years later and you're like no I don't oh no I did see that oh no I did see that um and you sort of do that pause where you like you're desperately like scrambling to think of like what it what it was or like you know the, what the story was but you're like I no I can't really pin mm-hmm. where I've seen theatre that I have has made my blood boil or I've hated and I can remember sitting in the theatre seething and like I think there is something to be said about like the what you love and what you, yeah. you hate you know mm-hmm. and with Crocodile I definitely wanted to like it's set it's set up in such mm. a like classical theatrical style and like that's deliberate because it I wanted to do that so that you could sort of do the spin top yeah um and the audience thinks they're sitting down for one thing and then yeah they totally think they're sitting down for kitchen sink drama yes mm-hmm. yeah it's like yeah you get that feeling you're like okay cool and then well pretty quickly you're like <laughs> no no this is not this what it's is about not <laughs> I'm so excited. It's also just really. Also, sorry, can I just say best playlist going? Oh, yes. Yeah. Before, I was like, yes. Oh, it's such a good playlist. Such a good playlist. Because I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen like how they were going to do the opening, and like Gareth has, we, we cut loads of songs from it because I think I had like seven or eight extra songs in there. Um, and it was like, we need, a, we need a slim line this. You can't just have a banging playlist. This. <laughs> this is not Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> like, um, so we like stripped quite a few of the songs and then the pre-show playlist, like Gareth like put a lot of them in and like it's quite cool. But I hadn't, that, that Madonna opening, that was all Gareth, like hadn't even conceived that. And it was, I just sat the first sort of dress and was just in tears in floods of tears of laughter like it was amazing it's <laughs> amazing that bit when it stops and she's just with the, yeah. with the toothbrush it's just yeah. a moment it's, it's just a, yeah I was like oh I'm in I'm strapped in yeah. <laughs> let's go oh. and I think what I was going to say was that what's brilliant about it is that it's so much fucking fun mm-hmm. I mean it's dark and there's and there's like grotesque moments and there's it's clearly underlying 
serious stuff happening. Mm-hmm. But it's so much fun from start to finish. It's a roller coaster ride. And I think when you walk into a theatre so often these days, but particularly when you're like cross arch, sitting in the audience watching a show, you're bored to, bored to tears half the time. Yeah. And this was just like on the edge of your seat, I'm laughing till I'm crying. Like it was just so much fun, and I was like, "Thank God, thank God for you, Megan Tyler." <laughs> I'm awake again. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and I think it's so refreshing that you have got those really serious issues that are there, but it's totally not the focus. And it's mm-hmm. so nice that it's like that's not what this is about. Yeah, you can you can do as much thinking into that as you want. The audience can kind of go, "Oh." And then they can like process it of their own, but it's not—that's not what it's about. I love that because there's a, there's such a trend. There is such a trend, I think, sometimes in plays for there to be like you know the spotlight monologue where the girl of like twenty three turns around and is like, "When I was fifteen years old, my and everybody who." But the thing about abuse is like people don't talk about when they've been abused. Like especially not in Northern Ireland. Mm. Like you just you you keep it under your hat, or it just comes out in little flares or little ways and. Um, this huge, these huge monologues that just make the audience feel horrendous. Just, I don't think, is the right way to hit upon issues like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's 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 weird putting an issue like that in like a dark comedy. But like, I don't know. Again, it's something that I think there's something about reclaiming or like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's the right word. Like reclaiming. Um, like abuse to women, like just yeah, yeah we can take yeah. this and make it. Yeah, because you it don't into... make them victims. No, yeah. God. Which is because of the things that they've gone through. It's so easy for people to go down that line mm. and make it that that's all that they they are as a person when that's not all that they are. So you've managed to not make them victims, which makes it even more human. And as an audience member, you're even more engaged with them. I think mm-hmm. because you don't feel like there's a barrier does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah. like yeah. there's between you and that character so yeah I really like that yeah because people's trauma doesn't define them yeah. it's just an instance that happens to them um, and there is a trope in a lot of films and and in, in media and in entertainment in general where um, a person's trauma has to define who they are and define their character journey and I just think that that's, that to me is the bonkers thing. Like, I know people are saying crocodile fever is bonkers, but that trope or that normality that we've become so used to in the, the forms of entertainment, I think that's the bonkers thing is like, like, like me and, and my mates and like a, a lot of people I know have like gone through certain traumas and they're still as funny and fucking talented and fucking clever and fucking amazing human beings and that's just one horrendous thing that another person exacted on them and that doesn't define them but for some reason we there's a tendency to do that yeah yeah and that's I think insane yeah <laughs> that's but ludicrous. I think when talking about humor consistently in the context of these stories I think it's really important that like you're saying perhaps it was an odd thing to, to root it in a dark comedy but I think it was exactly the right thing because humor is how mm-hmm. we get over so much of this yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a weapon in many ways it's like ah. I'm not a victim. You haven't broken me. You haven't defined me, and I'm laughing about it now. So fuck you. Yes. Um, so the fact that it was this roller coaster ride, dark comedy for me was it just pushed all my buttons in every conceivable way. Mm-hmm. It's it's cathartic and almost like a release to sit and laugh in a theatre in the way that Crocodile Fever makes you laugh. Oh, that's amazing. Um, that's so good to hear. It's just 
and it's just brilliant. And um, I'm trying really hard not to do any spoilers because I know it's a spoiler heavy show. I, <laughs> I think I love as well um, just how your women are so flawed and brilliant, and I love that they have a platform and a voice on such a mm-hmm. big stage at the festival. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, Megan. Yes. And um, is this which play is this for you in the canon of Megan Tyler plays? Where, um, is this your second, third? This would be, this would be my, I guess, third professional, maybe? First published, because um, The Persians was last year it was with Oren Moore and The Traverse, and then me and Paul Brotherston took medicine down to the Hope Theatre in London, um, but this is the first, like, this is the first where I'm not, like, sort of scrambling around and being like, I'll get that bottle of wine and we'll empty it and we'll use it as a prop or all like it's the first time where it's like it's also the first time I've not acted in something that I've written so it's like uh, it's it's an interesting how did you find that really strange (laughs) (laughs) no strange but like amazing it's um it's so straight it's 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 like during rehearsals it felt like that I don't like it was like it the analogy I'm going to use is like you know in The Sims <laughs> I am for some reason this week speaking only in Sim terms um, but in The Sims when you know you get your baby and then it's sort of taller and then child and then child gets in trouble doesn't goes to military school for a bit and comes back and then there's there's a dear teenager and then like they get you know in that sense and like it felt like like me and Gareth were handling like a toddler when we were like talking about the script. It had gone from my baby to being a toddler, and then it from the day one it became very quickly became that child into that mm-hmm. like adolescent into that teenager into that adult. Then when it was on the stage for the first like dress, and um, that you're just like, I mean, I can give, I can say like, ah, oh, it's uh, that line. There's there's a there's a that instead of a this, but that that's you know it's like sort of like here's some extra money for the month for your washing <laughs> like you know <laughs> it's, it's, you sort of give it away and um, the actors are so brilliant they're so so brilliant and they, they do are. such an amazing job and just bring things to the characters that I had never even seen um, which I think is like so so class like so beautiful so yeah it was quite it's quite a, a thrill to not be there like all the time yeah. Um, and to just like because I have absolutely like complete trust in the team that were working on it so I didn't like leave a room and be like oh god like I was leaving a room being like what am I going to walk into tomorrow what <laughs> genius inventions are they going to come up with um, so yeah but it was still quite quite strange mm. quite strange yeah to be just writer yeah and not performer and not performer when did you start writing has it always been something, or did it come at drama school? Um, it was always sort of something on the back burner. It weirdly was the thing that I used to do when I wasn't acting. So I would write to stay creative, um, and now it's this year. In this last year, actually, it's become like like the, there's two different avenues, Pass. and yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I always sort of wrote and just sort of kept stuff in my my documents folder was like well that's nice I did that thing today it's just for me <laughs> no one's gonna see that <laughs> it's nice people are seeing it <laughs> it's like oh Jesus Christ but yeah yeah 
but I, I sort of wrote during you know those group exercises you do in, in like high school and your like theatre studies class and um, it would be like who well we have to write this thing and I'd be like oh, oh, oh I can do I'll do that that'd be fun <laughs> what, what, I, what have I done <laughs> see I can remember I um, was in doing a workshop with yes. Megan when she was at um, RCS and I remember going home and saying to my husband, oh, there's this Irish girl. She's absolutely brilliant. She wrote a couple of things. I think she's going to be a belter. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I don't even know how many years ago that I was. I know. That would have been... That would have been... Seven? Yeah. Oh, I wrote wow. a monologue about a sock. Do you remember? <laughs> the sock didn't speak. It didn't come to life. Like, but, um, but, yeah. But I did write a monologue about a sock. Yeah. Remember that? No, I remember it. Yeah, because I remember we did... to watch. Yeah, no, it was because we were doing a whole thing on immigration. Mm. We came in and we were doing a whole thing on that and you writing and creating work. And uh, I remember being like, oh, yeah, she's got good ideas. Mm. And here we are. Here we are. Crocodile fever. Crocodile fever. So what's the story between then and now then? How did you, like, how did your writing get uncovered? Was it, have people always kind of known that you were writing and they've kind of been pestering you to, like, write something for them? <laughs> or have you been kind of like... Megan. So I've kind Megan. of done this thing and it's kind of like, can you read it? And like, So how did it go from you were writing mad stuff about socks to being like, well, here's, here's this play called Crocodile Fire. I want to read the sock um, one again. The sock, I don't even, it's in a notebook I think I lost, actually, which is a shame. I'm going to look back Somebody's through my notebooks. Somebody's going to find that in yeah. a couple of years' time and be like... That's Jing. worth exactly five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> no, the... I guess it started with, like, I was... So not... Uh, so Waiting for Godot was my favourite play. Like, I went through a big Beckett phase where I would sort of mimic his, his style of writing and stuff. And we had this thing at um, the RCS, or this festival called the On the Verge Festival, which used to be at the, the Tronc. And um, I was sort of with, like, Beckett, I love Beckett, thank you Beckett, wherever you may be, but he sort of said women can't play Gatto because they don't have prostates. And at the time in our, in our school and in our year, like, feminism was starting to become an idea and, like, something that we would be talking more and more about and, like, kicking up a wee bit more of a fuss um, and I was just like, well, fuck you, Beckett. <laughs> and, um, and it was like, I'm going to write my own motherfucking waiting, waiting for God, fucking thing. And um, so I, I, I uh, wrote this 15 minutes sort of short, which Bruce Strachan sort of led and um, with an amazing group of women. And we did it at the Tron and it was this short 15 minute piece. And... Bruce came up to me afterwards and was like, so you need to take this to the fringe. And I was like, oh, like next year. He was like, no, this year, the deadline's tomorrow. And I was like, okay, sure, why not? So I spent all of my student loan to book. And it's, <laughs> it's so strange being back in Edinburgh this time around having another show at the fringe because I literally came up the stairs and I was looking at where it was at one of the space venues on Northbridge and it's closed now but I came up the yeah. stairs and that black door was there on the way to come in here and um, we just like we did an, an hour long sort of version of it and like you know had a couple of years it was like 10 o'clock at night we were constantly doing two for ones we were like standing out in the street like doing weird shit to like flyer like it, it was once we went once we were all sleeping in like a car at one stage like it was all a bit sort of as fringes yeah. bonkers 
and then um, it got then picked up to go to a festival in the Czech Republic and then it headlined a festival in Glasgow and it sort of had quite a life um, which I never expected and then from then on sort of graduated and um, was working as um, like an actor kind of sometimes when I could and was just writing different pieces for the Tron like during that spell of unemployment where I would just be writing and they had the um, progressive playwright thing mm-hmm. and I had a couple of, of those and the Tron just sort of kept giving me sort of chance after chance after chance and then they did the table read last year of of uh, Crocodile Fever and then it kicked off a whole bloody chain of events um, like the like the Persians wasn't supposed to happen when the Persian happened the Persians were supposed to be last autumn mm. um, but yeah so just sort of the Persians and their medicine and now Crocodile Fever and who knows what's <laughs> going to happen now so <laughs> that's sort of how it all like kicked off it's, it's a bit brilliant. insane yeah, yeah. And you start rehearsals on Monday for Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> for those of you that can't see, Megan's just starts weeping. Um. <laughs> we start rehearsals for Pride and Prejudice on Monday. No, it's gonna be sick. It's gonna be so good. But it is. Um, it is just like, okay, I've got to. I'll take, I'll take my week. Yeah. Yeah. Take my week. Go see some Fringe. Maybe do a face mask. Yeah, that would be good. Buy a bath bomb from Lush. You know. That's that's what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, take so how many moment. weeks of rehearsal are you in for that? Went for three weeks of rehearsal. And then you're on tour. Yeah. Yeah. Straight to Bristol, um, which is gonna it's gonna be. I I honestly don't. My head's still in Crocodile yeah. Fever land. Yeah. And like I need to like. That's a land. That's a land. Like that is. <laughs> that's such a lot of land. land. <laughs> <laughs> but it's terrible because in press night we were sort of like I was talking away to like um, Gareth and Rebecca and stuff uh, Rebecca Mares who works at the Lyric who's like amazing and um, was like oh yeah you because of this Channel 4 contract I, I, I sort of need to do another play for the Traverse and I was sort of bringing that up and it was just like my brain's so in writer mode like I was like oh yeah and this thing oh and I want to write this thing oh then I'm going to write these things and I'm like Megan <laughs> you're doing a tour for like seven months you need to sort of remove that brain from that body and like plop it into like actor yeah. body yeah how you, fine. how you feeling about going back to actor body uh, hungry for it yeah yeah hungry for it really up for it um and the great thing about Pride and Prejudice is, like, I normally find that I write the most when I'm acting. Okay, yeah. And um, we we know this show and we've done this show before and we're going to have so much time in these beautiful places that, it's yeah, I'm very... I'm scared for the population as to what is going to come out of my head <laughs> in that time. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for that one, yeah. Megan's scared the rest of us are on the edge of our seats. (laughs) Bring it on, baby, bring it on. Let's do it. Very, very excited. Um, Yeah, it's a funny one, transferring your brain, because I find like when I'm writing, I'm like, I just want to be an actor. Why am I writing? And then you switch brains again. You're like, I want to write. I want to be alone in a room and smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee and being a black and white filter writing by myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly it. I do a whole witchy ritual. 
Oh. Good to know. Like a whole... I think... Well, it started during Crocodile Fever, and I don't know if because of the themes of witchcraft that this came about, but I was well into my Wiccan when I was um, 15. And so, yeah, I'd do a salt circle and set my candles round and burn a bit of sage, like anoint the laptop with the sage, then just write yeah. in the night times. Good Love for warding off bad spirits and for a roast. It, uh, yes. <laughs> Juicy, my friends. <laughs> Use that sage. <laughs> <laughs> Misha got really excited. I know, your me eyes, and I like, lit up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the sage. The sage. <laughs> the sage. And then I thought about roast, and now I'm like, no, never oh, there. Do I have time to go home and make so good so amazing it's so it's oh I want to go home and watch the craft the earrings don't help yeah I'm so up for watching the craft I still have a real soft spot for the more PG uh, practical magic with Sandra yeah me too a real soft spot for that midnight margaritas in the kitchen yeah absolutely yeah I've not seen either. Oh, oh I'm so you sorry. You uh, need to. I feel like I'm. You yeah, need to. Yeah. Double bill uh, for you. Fuck all the okay. French shows you're working on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go yeah. Away. Just go home. <laughs> Watch Practical Magic and then The Craft. Okay. Yeah. That oh, order. that's the good. That's the best order. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's oh, definitely. definitely. And then watch like all the series of Charmed, and you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> My sister's not happy about the remake of Charm, though. I I don't think I am. Either. The reboot, she's like, "What the fuck?" How <laughs> could they? Yeah, she has that same reaction. Some things just need to be left alone. Yeah, it was niche as, as much as it yeah. was. Like we don't need to touch. I don't know. Also, I don't know. isn't it the longest running like female centric and female led um, show show in of America? its kind in America? Like at the time, it was like. Was like it nine seasons or something like and that? Yeah, it was like, in terms of having three female leads and it being all about them and their journey and having very little to do... So progressive. ...with uh, yeah. men, um, for the most part. Yeah, it was like... Do you remember the episode where the, she got kicked out of the restaurant for breastfeeding? Yes. yes. Like, that was 90s. Like, you know, yeah. like that was 90s. And, like, they do this whole big thing and they come back on a horse and, like, demand the manager at the end. And it was like, this is... This is... Um, this is... Looking back at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I'm <laughs> 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 like, that was yeah. sick. Yeah. Yeah. And we're still having that argument. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, a boob, guys. It's just a boob. It's just a boob with some milk in it. It's not your boob. It's just a boob. It's just a boob. Um, the craft. So, Misha, okay. that's your homework. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Make a- yeah, she's writing it down. You have to. It's so... What? I think it started all the madness yeah yeah yeah. for a lot of women yeah I think so yeah. too I mean I remember seeing it and being like yes I'm I, surprised I didn't yeah. get We Are The Weirdos Mr. Tattooed on my so when my friend got my married date. Uh, in April she got me and her, her other bridesmaid socks that says We Are The Weirdos oh, yeah it was seminal it, yeah. like, it was like a proper like ah. Oh moment for women our age I think yeah absolutely yeah. what women that inspire you wow I know, a really big question. So many. Uh, so we know Beckett has. Anyway, he's a man, but he wasn't happy so, yeah. with her lack he of prostate. He and his prostate I mean, fuck off for now. <laughs> I, mean, so, I mean, Sarah Kane used to, big time. Mm. Big time. Um, but then it was a thing of, like, I was sort of... I, I taught a bunch of, of um, people at the drama school, the second years 
about writing and how to write and um, it sort of it became very apparent to me I was learning as they were learning it's not all what the teachers <laughs> said but, um, but it became very apparent to me that I had like started off sort of mimicking Sarah Kane's work and then moved on to Beckett and then started to delve more into like uh, the McDonough's and David Ireland for example is my mentor for God's sake and and then um, just it start it start then gets reaches a point where you find your own voice yeah. and yeah I guess it's more I mean Phoebe, I mean Phoebe Waterbridge is a perfect example and um, I don't know that's such a question my mum I've asked that <laughs> yeah my mum my mum does my nanny does um, we're a very he- female heavy family and we all have our quirks and like like it's there's so like it's just so supportive and amazing and um the women like the women in my family I just feel like have lived such lives mm-hmm. um that if, from that I take inspiration at the same time you have people like Isabel MacArthur and um Eve Nichol and like you know um, people who are working sort of within your sphere and making amazing work in that sort of sense in terms of artistry and then you've got like 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 bands do you know yeah. what I mean then you've got like singers and like and like like Sarah Swire inspires me every day and Daisy Douglas and like Joanne Thompson and like just these yeah I've seemed to have surrounded myself with these amazing groups of women you've got a good cousin Good yeah. coven, I do good have a coven. really good coven, <laughs> and it's quite. Um, it's like the support is always mutual, mm-hmm. you know. Um, what I love about it is that there's no, you know, in those those tropes that you see in those films where like it's like one friend is better than the other, and it's mm-hmm. like I'm gonna swish my hair back behind my shoulder and be like, oh, well done for you. It's like <laughs> there's none of that. Like it's literal, like. I have wept. Sarah Swire did a show like last year um, about a car crash and like she was flying through the air and I was just weeping with like pride for her and she did, she burst into tears of crocodile fever the other day and it's a, oh God, no, oh no. Oh no, it's fine. Oh, it's fine. But it's just like this like level of, oh my God, I can't believe I'm like getting upset. It's like this like beautiful level of support that's really, um, that keeps you sort of like no matter what anybody else says mm-hmm. like you you drive each other and mm-hmm. yeah it's, a, it's a, an amazing coven yeah basically. and I can understand why you're getting mm-hmm. emotional because like the support network that your your coven or your group of women in your life can give you is unlike anything else you'll get anywhere it's that once you kind of shrug off any sort of patriarchal ideas of how women should interact with one another or be pitted against each other and realise that no one is going to love you and support you the way that your girl gang will. Like, oh, it's yeah. fucking powerful. It's potent. It's so potent. And it's, yeah, so I totally get the emotion behind that. And, like, to be, like, you know, like, you love people and, like, like, like I, I'm, I'm queer, but, like, you know, you love people and they, they come and go, but your, your gang of friends, like, they are there. Like mm-hmm. forever, yeah. like 
There's no, even if I have to annoy them into being my friend, <laughs> I bloody will. <laughs> like, you know, in that way. I will make you my friend. I will make you my friend. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm a bit like that. I've done that before, yeah. Yeah. Not to sound creepy, but I've done that. Like, um, like I'm going to make you, I like you. You're amazing. We think the same way. I'm going to make you my friend. You don't know what's happening. It's very subtle, but it's happening. Yeah. And the satisfaction when you're hunting is like, you've got your call and you're like, this is it. Right now, haha. I have your forever. number in my yeah. phone now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great. Like, who is this? Who is texting me? Who this? Like, but you'll find out in time. In time. Just Hi wait. There. Just do it. I slowly made my way in. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much less sinister than we're making. Yeah. No, it's actually beautiful, wonderful, and like life affirming. But it is, yes. and that's yeah. really, truly yeah. what Megan's saying about that trope in films and all that. And I think you see that as a young teenager. Yes. And you're like, oh, right. So that's how we're all supposed to behave, and that's how it's supposed to be. And if you're lucky enough, you find a wee crew when you're at school that aren't like that. But unfortunately, that's maybe not going to happen for you. So if you are listening, you're younger, you will find your you will find your coven. You mm. will you will find that sisterhood. I can't remember what I was reading. Oh my God, you will find your coven. I'm getting a bit teary. I think we should put bad like put that on badges. You will you find, find your, your coven. coven. Yeah. It's so true. I was like, I was a horrible. I was not an ally to my girls in high school and they weren't an ally to me and like nobody was being allies to each other when I was in an all-girls school like you know so it was it just and looking back you're just like wow it takes yeah. time um, it does take time it does take time I'm reading it I think I mentioned this on another podcast actually so it's getting a second shout out I'm reading a book at the moment called Texting You When You Get Home by Kayleen Schaefer I think mm. it is and it's all about the evolution of female friendship and how for a long, long time she adhered to that idea of I need to be a cool girl, I need to be in with the guys, I need to do what the guys do in order to get ahead and be successful. And for a long time she sort of cut women off or disregarded them and, or didn't really have fully formed female friendships in her life. And once she sort of hit a, hit a speed bump that kind of woke her up to the idea that that was all wrong, yeah. she is just like in a... In like born again around female friendship and how important it is to her and how she couldn't actually see her life functioning without the strength that her female friendships give her mm. and that they actually should she argues that they should be given as not as much credence as the romantic relationship in your life as yes. the familial relationships in your life because they are that important you know? I feel that way I feel like they're just they're if not more important than the romantic relationships yeah. in your life because they are so so just beautiful like they're yeah. just gorgeous and like, they're constant yeah mm-hmm. yeah and they're, they are always who you will turn to, mm-hmm. no matter what. And there is an understanding that your romantic relationship can't give you. And it's not that that's a criticism of that relationship. It's just that there is an inherent bond yeah. when you find it. Yeah. That you can be apart for months and months and months. And then you're together again and it's like... You saw each other yesterday. Mm. It's really I think this beautiful. might be the podcast that I cry on, guys. Yeah. Find your cupboard. But then maybe <laughs> we're making a change, though, because we are now all talking about it so much more openly that maybe the younger generations, we can be more encouraging to them of don't follow that patriarchal stereotype of, you know, we are this, we are that, we have to fight against each other. If you're younger and you're looking up at women that you admire whether that be writers or actors or teachers and you see that they 
really embrace female friendship, then hopefully that might change. Mm. And I might find that earlier in life. I think they are switched on to the young, yeah. the young, yeah, generation. The young Some generation. of the young people I've been talking to are like, oh, oh, you are really smart. You're smarter than me. I would, well, I was like, not thinking those things when I was your age. Yeah, so it's literally like, get what? Then lose him. <laughs> he said, what to you? Then yeah. go. Yeah. And I'm like, but you put the feet, but I don't. What did you? Like, thank you, fourteen-year-old. I'll do that. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yeah, on you go. It's like, why didn't? Why? Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> thank you, pal. Thank you. Thank you, young woman at a bus stop. Thank you very much. Tell him to get to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. So Megan, your next is Pride and Prejudice, and that is touring across the UK. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's back up in Edinburgh in January. Okay. So we sort of we start off in Bristol, and then we go to insert places here. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and we uh, then come, we take two months off, and then we come back to Edinburgh in January and then some more insert places here okay and then um, we finish up in March and then we'll see what wow. happens with it yeah it's a big tour long it's a big tour. tour it's a big tour it's such a good gang yeah so it's and we've got a new cast member on board as well which is really cool so Felix Ford who's just she's an amazing writer and an amazing actor because she actually I taught her in, in um, second year at RCS she's just phenomenal and so she's coming on board, which is also really, really excited. Nice. Yeah. I'm very excited about that as well, because that's like the most fun I've had in a theatre in a mile as well. Loved that show. You did. Oh, I so missed good. it as well. I, mean, yeah. I, I miss it too, and I'm so, so buzzing to get a chance to yeah. see it. I don't know, insert which place. <laughs> insert, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, but I will. Well, so, Isabel sent us the latest version of the script, like, two, three days ago and it's like stunning. It's yeah. really banging, like really beautiful. Mm. Yes, beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> Fabulous. Um, so we've been asking everybody um, what it means to be persistent and nasty to them. So what that phrase means, oh, there's just some people. There's a show coming on. out, guys. So we're we'll just gonna, pause. Yeah. It might not be a show coming out. It might just be a bunch of leery guys. It might be. Never, like, no Ew. Lads, lads, lads. Okay, so we're back. The noise has left. Um, so yeah, <laughs> and, our and, our, and our beers Here's have refilled. And our beers have magically So yeah, so we were asking everybody what persistent and nasty means to you as an individual. So a little bit of background on why we picked persistent and nasty. Um, we are le- reclaiming the nasty word after Trump called Hillary nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's lots of words that we think about like that, like bossy bitch, you know, that are made gendered weaponized yes, absolutely so what does it mean to you to be persistent and nasty, Megan Tyler so persistent and nasty to me means sort of the persistent part in my head sounds like like marching like it's like a drum beat and it's like constant and it's just a consistency of um driving through and driving forward like unapologetically and I guess the nasty to me is sort of 
I would say represented in Crocodile Fever of like these of 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 allowing to be complex and flawed and um, ugly and brutal and violent and like bite um, again unapologetically because I feel I know from my experience uh, like my first boyfriend was very uh, manipulative and emotionally abusive and um, very gaslighty and just have the absolute like if anyone's listening to this who's in a similar situation grasp onto the thought that you know is the right one and fucking run for it because like there's so much power within yourself and within the earth that you stand on that like it it is your it becomes your oyster as soon as you flip that switch and understand that you can be fucking driven and yeah and like and know what you want and fuck who calls you a bitch and fuck who calls you bossy and fuck who calls you like complicated or weird like nah that's not the noise that's not the crowd that's not your coven basically is that that's, yeah that's, that's brilliant that's really <laughs> is that good is that <laughs> <laughs> I love the snaps yay oh, that's brilliant um, so just to finish off Megan can you give us all the deets on your show where people can catch it over the festival. Yes, um, so it's starting to sell out. Um, so it's on to the 25th at, at Trav One. It's called Crocodile Fever. And um, it's on at Trav One at various times because the Traverse do. So check the website as to when it'll be on. And then it'll be transferring over to the Lyric in Belfast from the 3rd of September to the 8th of September. Brilliant. Um, and I'll be at the 8th of September. I'll be at the final show. Yay! Yay! Uh, but yeah, come catch it. Yeah, Thank go you. see it. Yeah, go, go see, see it. it. Go see it. It is genius. Shoot us, buddy. Okay. Uh, Thank you so much, Maggie. Thank you, guys. And stay, stay nasty. nasty.